Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Saints of God, this is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of, of the opportunity. Let your speech also always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let me just make a 30-second quick word, reminder, encouragement. Continue as hard as you can to pray for our brother Al. Continue to pray for him. And I hope when you see Ralph on the days like this, it's an encouragement to you. That's the type of worship that God desires. He just got out of the hospital last night. And that little 15, 10 minutes that he was here, that sacrifice that he made, I hope we all have that type of heart for worship. We need to think about that when... The enemy wants to keep our eyes off of Christ when corporate worship's happening. That there's someone somewhere that desires to be here. And I'm here. Saints of God, today will be our last time in the book of Colossians. Bittersweet. I hope you all had learned much and have had as much fun as I have going through this lovely letter. Um... Since this is the last time we will be in Colossians, at least in the afternoon, um, two things. Uh, number one, I'm going to preach very long. And number two, uh, this sermon um, is basically part two of Pastor Antonio's sermon from this morning. Um, just, of course, not, not, as, not as good. I, I hope it will be, though, as good. In a few weeks, congregation, just so you're in the know, and then I'm done, we will be in the book of Exodus. And we will try to climb that high mountain. Pray for me, would you please, because I need strength. If you were in jail and you were writing a letter, what would the final words be? What would the final words be that you want to tell your church family. What would your final words be? That is the context St. Paul finds himself in as we turn to Colossians chapter 4. As we come to the final chapter of this beautiful letter, St. Paul is interested in giving his hearers some final instruction. In verses 7 through 17, you can read that on your own. St. Paul tells the church that those, that there are some people who are praying for them. There are some people also who greet you. But for our time together this afternoon, I want us to consider verses 5 through 6. Because verses 5 through 6, as lately these, these sermons have been, but verses 5 through 6 have, have really... Preach to my own soul. You know, that is the great mark of a preacher. Is they come and they present a sermon that has first and foremost been preached to them. The saints of God, this sermon 
is very much something, if it wasn't for you, it's definitely been for me. Saints of God, I want to look at verses 5 through 6, because verses 5 through 6 are really a reiteration of what St. Paul has been saying after he's given us that high theology of Christ. Verse 6 of chapter 2 encapsulates this summary. Therefore, as you have received Christ, so walk in him. That, that is, saints of God, the, the, the basic practical application of Colossians. Is that since you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk like him, talk like him. As someone who walks regularly, you know, you would be amazed at what walking can do to your body. Not even going to the gym. I'm talking about just walking 20 minutes. Walking can help your digestive system. Walking is good for heart health. Walking can burn calories. Walking is good for overall health. And when you see someone walking while you're driving along the road, you might say to yourself that that person is trying to better his lifestyle. That he or she is trying to, to do something well in their life. In other words, that person who's walking that we see is outwardly showing an inward conviction. That person doesn't just want to be healthy, but but he or she is striving to be healthy. They're putting into action what they believe. This, saints, is St. Paul's concern as he closes this letter. And, saints, this is the message for us in our final sermon in Colossians. Very much the same message that Pastor Antonio told you this morning. The message is simple. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Let me Christianize that last statement. Believers in Jesus show their belief in Jesus, not by merely just preaching and proclaiming Jesus, but by living like Jesus. Believers in Jesus proclaim Jesus, but they don't stop at verbal they, they show it in their conduct. That is to say, all of our amens. I hope I get some in a few moments. All of our amens. All of our head nods to the preacher. All of our saying yes in our own hearts to what the minister is saying ought to produce something in us. That your amens are not to be merely seen in corporate worship, but your amens are to be seen out and about in the world. And it's interesting, is it not, church? I found this interesting, that, that St. Paul's final words to the church is not now church advance in doctrine. It's interesting. He doesn't say, now church, advance in what you know theologically. But rather, St. Paul's final remarks for his beloved church is to live out the doctrine that you proclaim. To live out the doctrine that you proclaim. 
I'm going to be honest with you, church. One of the reasons why I was so excited to preach this sermon is because it hits at a concern of my own. Hear me, I'm just going to be honest with you. One of my concerns, and I'm just speaking of our own little Reformed Baptist community, is that in our attempts to make our congregations professionals at doctrine, we may be producing horrible practitioners. That the church may not need to emphasize more doctrine if there is not a corresponding emphasis on practical living. Let me make it plainer for you. We love to teach on the doctrine of God. But we also need to make it a priority to preach and teach on the virtue of love. I'm not saying ministers don't do that. But what I'm saying is there needs to be some sort of balance. We have conferences now that are aimed at raising the theological awareness of the pastor without raising the pastoral virtues of the pastor. We want people to be smarter. Yes, indeed. But, but we also need to desire people to live better. Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I love doctrine. I can talk doctrine all day. I have a lot of books. But saints of God, doctrine is meant to birth duty. Doctrine is meant to birth duty. And the older I get, church, the more I'm impressed by the godliness of one's life than I am with what they know. The more I get older, I'm more impressed with one's prayer life than how many degrees they have racked up. Just so you know, church, Pastor Antonio and I are not interested in making Reformation Bible Church a mini-seminary. That's not my heart. That's not his heart. You may learn some, or rather you will learn some doctrine, and you will be intellectually stretched, we have all been intellectually stretched as Pastor Antonio has been walking us up that high mountain of revelation. You will be intellectually stretched when we go through Exodus. But your elders are equally concerned with teaching you not merely just to know doctrine, but for you to live out the very name I call you every single Sunday in my sermons, and that is saints. To be saints in the world. To live as saints. Saints who are taught well, but who are equally pushed to live well. And living well is St. Paul's concern as he puts down his pen and closes this letter. We see this, saints of God, in verse 5, specifically in that first word. St. Paul says, conduct. He says, conduct. After he has told the congregation, pray for us, then he says now, conduct. That word conduct is merely just another word for walk. Walk. And the way the word is translated, hear me now, this, this is beautiful. The way the word conduct is translated means to walk and never stop walking. It means to walk, but to never slow down. 
It means to walk, but never sit down. In other words, church, as it was said this morning, being a Christian is not your nine to five job. Amen. Being a Christian is not something where you punch in the clock and then when your shift is over, you clock out. But being a Christian is not only reserved for when you're at work or when you're at home. You don't get to say, I'll be saved on Monday, but not on Friday. No, being a Christian is a 24-7, 365 days type of thing, type of life. That is, from the moment you wake up to the moment you put your head back down on that pillow, you're a Christian. I know it's hard, saints. I know. I know it's hard. I I know it's hard to be a Christian. This Christian life sure ain't easy. But would you agree? Would you agree with me? That in spite of the Christian life not being as easy as you thought it would be, would you agree that the little progress that you have made thus far, the little progress that you have made up to this point thus far, That the person that you are today is far better than the person that you were yesterday. That the little progress that you have made in your life, saints of God, that you are far better than the person that you used to be. And one of the encouragements, saints of God, I have for you this afternoon is this. It's not just walk like Jesus, but keep walking like Jesus. You know, we need to hear to walk like Jesus, but we also need to hear, stop, don't stop walking like Jesus. In other words, church, we all got issues. We all got issues. I got issues. You got, we all got some type of junk in our lives. If you still got an anger problem, just keep walking. If you still are dealing with things that you went through as a child, And you thought when you got saved, those things will be removed. Just keep walking. If you're still going through some issues that you've had from maybe some hurt in past relationships. And you thought that once you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you would get over it. Be encouraged. Just keep walking. You still got some growing up to do in some areas. And everyone reminds you that you are so immature. Saints of God, let me tell you. You just keep walking. Just keep walking. Saints of God, don't let what you're not becoming as quickly as you want to become it slow you down or stop your walk. Hear me, saints of God. Just because you're not growing as fast as you thought you were going to grow, once you say amen to Jesus Christ and receive him in your life, don't let that slow you down, though. Don't stop. Keep striving for holiness. Keep striving for compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Aim for love in all that you do. Oh, how I love verses in the Bible like Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But here's what I love also. To sanctify her. To cleanse her by the washing with water through the word. And when you thought that was good, he says, and to present her to himself as a glorious church, and it gets even better, without stain. 
without wrinkle, without blemish, but holy and blameless. Saints of God, can I tell you why I love this verse specifically? Because your walking is the way Christ sanctifies you. Your walking is the way the Lord sanctifies you. What that means is your walking is the way in which the Lord is detaching you from all the things that you don't want to be. As it was said this morning, you've been given Christ for righteousness to stand perfectly before the Father. Amen to that. But saints of God, we all know that while we are here in this earth, there's still some stuff that got to get out. There's still some things that got to be removed. Amen. I got some issues. You got some issues. That there's some, there's some, there's some cleaning that needs to take place. And church, your walking is the way Christ is cleaning you up. Your walking, saints of God, is the way the Lord is cleaning you up. And if you know anything about stains, I know something about stains. Pastor Antonio told us a little bit about stains this morning. I know a little about stains. But if you know anything about stains, you know that there's just some stains that are a little bit tougher to get out. If you know anything about some stains, you know that there's just some stains that take just a little bit longer to get out. I've known some Christians, and you know some Christians, that have stopped walking with the Lord simply because in, in six months, they saw no change in their life. You know Christians like that. That in three months, they saw no change, so they said, let me just go back to what I was doing. Oh, saints of God. But can you blame them? They say, well... If I'm a Christian, why am I still battling with this? Have you ever asked that question? If I'm now walking in the light, then how come things are not happening as quickly as I thought? This reminds me, a little story I heard of a woman. She was going to break this record of swimming in some ocean from there to back, wherever it was. And as she was swimming... She noticed that she started to get a little bit more tired than she usually does. And she noticed that suddenly she couldn't see the shore. But the funny thing is, everyone on the shore could see her. She stopped walking. She stopped swimming. She ran out of air, our breath. The boats came, picked her up. And at her press conference, she said, you know, if I only knew how close I was to the shore, I would have just kept swimming. But, but, but what was distracting me was the fog. What was distracting me were the clouds. But, but, but everyone told me I was just miles away from the shore, saints of God. The Christian life can be like that sometimes. Can it not? That those tough stains in your life, it can make it hard for us to see what, what God is changing us to become. But saints of God, here's some encouragement. If you, if you can just get past the six month mark, if you can just get past that 
ten-month mark, saints of God, if you can just if you can just get past and keep swimming, saints of God, here's the encouragement: we don't need a shore, and we don't need to know rather how close the shore is in order for us to keep swimming. <laughs> but we don't need people to say, "Hey, keep going." In order for us to keep swimming. Why? Because we got God's word. Because we got God's word. We don't need to know how many miles we got left before this sin removes from our life. We got God's word. Saints of God, do you trust him? Do you trust his word? Do you trust him when he says that those who are saved will be holy? That those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will see him as he is, for they will be like him. Do you trust God, saints of God, when he says in Ezekiel 36, 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Do you believe them, saints of God? If you do, then keep swimming. If you do, you keep walking. Hear me, church. You may have some tough stains to get out. But saints of God, be of good cheer this afternoon. The Lord is cleaning you up. Saints of God, you may have some spots now, but you're getting washed. Saints of God, that hard to get out sin, that hard to get out pride, that hard to get out battle with forgiveness, that hard to get out laziness, the Lord will get out. Oh, you can rest and believe the Lord will get out. You will be holy and blameless. Saints of God, you may have some hard spots now, but if you keep walking, this is what this encouragement. If you keep going, if you don't stop, your Bible tells you that your husband one day is going to present you to himself as a glorious church. If you keep walking, that stain is going to be without stain. That those clothes are going to be without wrinkle. That all of your your, your mess will be without blemish. You will be holy and blameless, saints of God. Pastor Antonio, I encourage you this morning to keep growing. I'm encouraging you this afternoon to keep walking. Keep walking, saints of God. Keep growing in the Lord. And in verse 5, St. Paul instructs us of how we are to walk, how we are to conduct ourselves, but also to whom we are to conduct ourselves with. He says, conduct yourselves with wisdom, walk with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of opportunity. In other words, St. Paul is saying the Christian is to walk with discernment. That means the Christian, the Christian is to walk in a certain behavior, that the Christian don't walk any sort of way. I remember I was a, I was younger. <clears throat> I wasn't saved. However, though, I represented a family. He might not remember this. I remembered it. I can, you know, vividly picture it. Uh, I was, uh, 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 I was a, one of the wise men in one of the church plays. And, you know, I thought I was a little thug back in the day. So I'm walking back to my seat and I have that, you know, that, that gangster walk on me. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm something, right? I'm, I'm misbehaving in a proper way. My brother, Pastor Antonio, loved him pulls me aside and says, boy, don't you ever walk like that again. Don't you know you representing our family? 
You need to walk in a certain way that represents something, someone that's bigger than you. Saints of God, let me make it plain for you. The Christian is to watch what they wear. The Christian is to watch how they speak to others. The Christian is to make wise choices in public. And the reason St. Paul gives is simply this. Why do we make these wise choices? Because people are watching. That's why. People are watching. People are watching. The world, if you don't know, now you know, is watching you. You know, church, this unsaved world, while they desperately need to hear Jesus, some of them, they just want to see the love of Jesus. While some of them need to hear of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, some of them just want to see the gospel in action. They just want to see it lived out by those who profess they believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what you want, the president? Isn't that what you want? So someone who not only knows what America needs, but in day one, they put into action what they say they believe and what they're going to do. Let me tell you something, church. Sometimes what draws people to Christ, it ain't preaching Christ. Sometimes what draws people to Christ, it ain't proclaiming Christ. Sometimes what draws people to Christ, it ain't even saying the name Christ. But sometimes what draws people to Christ is people seeing you live like Christ. Sometimes, congregation, people are drawn to Jesus when you ain't proclaiming Jesus from your mouth, but you're showing Jesus in your actions. One day, friends of the CC. He was walking with this young monk and he says to his young monk, hey, let's go to the town and preach. Young monk's excited. I get to go preach with with my, my father. They go down, walk down the streets, turn down the alleys, go to the suburbs. Everyone sees them and they finally circle back around to the monastery. As they approached, the young monk told Francis, um, Father, you may have forgotten. We were supposed to go down to the town to preach. Francis says, my son, we have preached. We have preached. We were preaching while we were walking. We have been seen by many. Our behavior has been closely watched. It was thus that we preached our morning sermon. It is of no use, my son, to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere we walk. Oh, now, church, let me nuance that just a little bit. doesn't mean that we don't use words to proclaim Christ. We certainly do. But the main point of this, of this story is simple, that people are watching. And your godly conduct can be used to show Jesus Christ. This is why at the end of verse 5, St. Paul says, while the world is watching, what do we do? Francis Assisi knew it. We make the most of every opportunity. You know people are watching. And if you don't know, you know now. Saints of God make the most of every opportunity. That is to say, church, your waiter and waitress 
might be one of God's children. And you don't even know it. That is to say, church, your cashier, your co-worker, your customer might be one whom Jesus has lived for, died for, rose for, and is coming back for, and you don't even know it. That is to say, church, that the people whom we interact with might be the next person that heaven is awaiting to rejoice over. Which means, saints of God, every day, in every situation that God places us in, is a good day to proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth. Proclaim him, saints of God, in your conduct. Saints of God, Paul's encouragement and my encouragement is simple. Don't waste time. Don't waste time. Don't waste a second of your time. You see, church, the world categorizes people by race, by gender, by status. But the gospel demands that we view people from the perspective of eternity. Do you view the people in the world around you from the perspective of heaven and hell? Do you, saints? Oh, I sure need to. We must say to ourselves, we must say to ourselves, saints of God, that I'm not going to be the one today that pushes someone away from Christ just because I'm having a bad day. I'm not going to be the one. I'm not going to be the one to lower the Bible standards of how a Christian ought to act just because that person is being rude to me. I ain't doing that. No, St. Paul says in every situation, seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Again, saints, that doesn't mean, I was going to say something, but you're going to see him at the Coralie. doesn't mean you wear a certain shirt, bright shirt, that says Jesus is Lord on the front, Christ is King on the back. doesn't mean that you need to wear your 1689 confession hat if you want to. If that's your style, you do your thing. It doesn't mean that you need to, you know, wear I'm a Jesus freak sweater. No, what it means, saints of God, is that in every situation you act like Christ. You act like Christ. That's what that means. And as we move on to verse six, St. Paul moves from encouraging us to walk to then encouraging us to speak. Encouraging us to walk. And now he encourages us to speak. He says in verse 6, your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Why, saints? Why would St. Paul say this? Why would he say something like this? Well, well, maybe it's because he knows that if there's one thing that gets us in the most in trouble, it is when we open our mouths and begin to talk. Maybe Paul knows that we need to sometimes shut up rather than speak our mind. Maybe he knows what James knew, that the tongue is a fire starter. That the tongue is the smallest part of your body, but ooh, it can do the most damage. Saints of God... The word places a heavy emphasis on what we say. Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You hear that from Pastor Antonio every sermon, every before he preaches. 
James says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not riddle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This person's religion is worthless. Oh, the granddaddy of them all. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on that day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless, careless word that they speak. That is to say, we need to speak with wisdom. Here, St. Paul is just reiterating what the whole world, uh, word of God says. That your speech must always be with grace. And I love what he says here, as though seasoned with salt. Both of these ways speak of the same thing. The Christian not only walks like Jesus, but the Christian speaks like Jesus. To speak with grace doesn't mean that in conversation, you always got to mention the grace of God. But rather, in our conversation, we speak graciously. That's what that means. Ephesians 4.15. Speaking the truth in love. You know, a lot of y'all are some truth tellers. Uh, and sometimes our, our defense to when someone or when we say something offensive to someone, it's, well, I'm just telling the truth. Do, do some of y'all do that? That, that, I'm just going to use, I'm just telling you the truth. Saints of God, you can tell the truth without being offensive. You can have a loud tone of voice without sounding like you're angry. In other words, our manner of speech is to reflect the God who saved us. That's what that means. And I love the words that Paul uses again. Our speech is to be seasoned with salt. To be seasoned with salt means our speech is to be pure. My husbands, this is for you. Don't think that this has no application also for last week's sermon. We speak to our wives with grace, seasoned with salt. And wives, you speak to your husbands with grace, seasoned with salt. St. Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up. But can I tell you, saints, can I tell you what I think, what St. Paul's overall message is? Can I tell you what he's trying to get through in verse 6? It's seen in those last words in verse 6. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. So you will know how to respond to each person. The main message of these two verses is simple. The Christian is to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Not a Jehovah witness, but a witness of Jesus Christ. Saints, this is why you are here on this earth. Have you ever asked that question, congregation? That why does God keep us here rather than bring us to heaven the moment we said yes to Jesus? Why didn't he just send us home with him the moment we said yes to Christ? And we immediately would have went to heaven. Why does he keep us? Why does he keep us here? Why are we still here on this earth? 
Saints of God, Paul's answer is simple. It's for you to be a witness of God. That's the answer. He keeps you here. Not not saints of God primarily, although we can speak a little bit on it, to more ready you for heaven. He doesn't keep you here just, just because you ain't fully cleaned up yet. No, the reason why you are here is because you are called to be God's witnesses here on earth. But church, let me just ask and answer one question, and then my sermon is done. Why? Why is it so hard for us to be a witness of Jesus? Why is it so hard for us to be a witness of Jesus? Being a witness of Jesus is hard. Especially in the day and age that we are living in. It ain't easy. Because being a witness in your workplace, it may get you sent to HR. Because being a witness may cause some of your friends to unfriend you. Because being a witness may stop your family members in inviting you to the barbecue. But can I speak from my own experience, church? Why it's hard for me, as I was a younger Christian, to be a witness? For me, and maybe for, maybe for you, it's hard for me to be a Christian, a witness. Because I was scared that someone would ask me a question that I couldn't answer. That someone would present to me a question That would stump me. You may say, I hear you, Paul. Speak graciously. Season with salt. So I'll know how to respond to each person. But Paul, do you know the type of questions that people are asking now? How do I know how to respond to each and every single question? Paul, what about when someone comes up to me and says, you know, I was reading your Bible last night. This person ain't saved. And your Bible says, well, doesn't that bring you the most butterflies sometimes? You know, I was actually reading, and your, your God actually said, saints of God, let me tell you something that I wish I knew years ago. Being a witness ain't all about answering all the questions on doctrine. Oh, I hope you're hearing me, saints of God, especially within our reform context. You need to hear me. Being a witness ain't about answering all the questions in your own confession. Being a witness ain't about knowing every chapter in the Bible and every verse in the Bible. Being a witness doesn't mean that you got to go to seminary or you got to go to Bible college. But being a witness sometimes means that you're patient. Sometimes means that you're loving. Being a witness sometimes means that you're compassionate, that you speak graciously. Being a witness means when someone presents to you a problem, you say, can I pray with you? That's what being a witness means. And yes, saints of God, sometimes 
you're going to get stumped. Sometimes someone's going to present to you a question that you can't answer. But saints of God, hear me now. Don't let what you don't know disrupt what you do know. Don't let what you don't know undermine, undervalue what you do know. Don't let what you don't know undermine what mama told you when you were younger. What your, what your, what your Sunday school teacher told you when you were younger. Don't let what you don't know disrupt the ABCs of Christianity. Saints of God, the best answer to the question is always, well, I don't know about that one. But I can tell you I once was blind. And now I see. Still the best answer is I was deaf, but now I can hear. Still, saints of God, the best answer is I know a man from Nazareth. The best answer, saints of God, is I don't know that answer to that question. But can I ask you a question? Are you thirsty? I don't know that Bible verse or chapter, but can I ask you a question? Are you hungry? I may not know that one, but can I ask you something? Are you heavy burdened? Can I ask you something? Do you want joy that is never ending? Do you want peace that can never be taken away? Saints of God, you ask that person, I don't know everything. But can I tell you the greatest story that's ever been told? Saints of God, I don't know everything, but but I can tell you about one that ever since I have met him, I have had a new song in my heart and I've had joy in my soul. Oh, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about this one who has loved me in spite of myself? Who has put up with me? Who has did for me what mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, uncle, best friend, even my own self wouldn't do for me. Saints of God, tell them about Jesus. And saints of God, this is why I'm not ashamed to be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because I got it all figured out. And not because I know all the ins and outs of every doctrine. But because Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one. Who has an answer for sin, death, and the grave. That, that, that Jesus is the only one who has taken care of my most desperately in need of help problem. Oh, he's removed my sin. Oh, he's removed my fear of death. And he's given me a hope that, oh, I long for and that no one can snatch away. Saints of God, be a witness be a Christian, not because the Christian life is the best way to die, but because the Christian life is the best way to live. That's why we are witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, saints of God, my sermon is done. Colossians is done. St. Paul's message to these hearers is my message to you. Be a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are watching. And what do you do? You show Christ. You show the love of Christ. The compassion of Christ. The grace of Christ. The forgiveness of Christ.
You show Jesus. You preach Jesus from your mouth. And you walk like Jesus in your conduct. Saints of God, I hope you've been blessed as we've gone through this lovely letter. And don't let this be the last time. Don't let it be the last time you ever hear and read something in Colossians. Go back. Go back. Find out things that I couldn't find out. (laughs) Find out things that I was unable to tell you. May you be blessed. Let's pray.